now, say now. You're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here at the Momentum Studios. Myself, D-Boy, is in the building with us today. Yes, sir. It was good. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. No Spencer Shea. Um, he's a busy man these days. <laughs> I'll say that. I'll let him tell you why <laughs> when we do get him back on the podcast, but... Spencer is uh, busy doing his thing, and we are not mad at it around here. And uh, we missed y'all, man. We've been going for a couple weeks. Um, a good break was actually needed. And it's hard to take a break when so much is happening and so many people are coming to you and looking to you and asking what your thoughts are. And usually I'm able to just direct them to the podcast. But I haven't been able to because I haven't been here um, but again, it was a break that was needed. It was necessary coming off of a long season, broadcast season being over with. Want to send a huge thanks to Portland State men's basketball, Pacific University athletics from football to men's basketball and women's basketball as well. Uh, being able to just get through another season with those programs, it's always a grind. You kind of get the slower rev up in the beginning of, this, of the academic year calling football games, you know, I'm calling those games maybe twice a month because I'm only doing the home games for Pacific University. So I'm maybe calling those games twice a month because, you know, when they're on the road, I'm not calling games for them. So you kind of get that slow rev up and then November comes around and everything just absolutely kicks into gear because I'm calling games for three different teams. Uh, again, Pacific men's and women's basketball and, and Portland State Men's basketball. You ever so, said the wrong team, getting caught up in the moment? And yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. I, I'm not say. even confused, just to, talking too fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what geez. I mean? And when I say the wrong team, it's more so been amongst the teams I cover, or I've, or I've like but that's said what I the mean, wrong like conference. Been at a Pacific at a uh, at a Portland. So State. put it like this: <laughs> like I've been in, I've been in a situation. That I usually catch myself when I do it, but I've been in a situation. You know, February comes around and. A lot more talk is about the Big Sky Conference Tournament right. or, you know, at Pacific, you know, it's the Northwest Conference Tournament. So you're kind of previewing teams or you're just talking about teams throughout the broadcast yeah. and basically what particular games mean in regards to being able to clinch to get into, into the conference tournament, right. being able to be how many games in or out of the standings to get in the conference tournament or in Portland State's uh, situation, it's all about seeding because mm -hmm. everybody in the big sky goes to the tournament. For Pacific, only the top four teams go. So there's just a lot of talk about conference this, conference that. Yeah. And so there's been times I've been calling a Portland State game and I'll be talking about the big sky conference, but I might say the Northwest Conference. conference yeah. Or I'm at a Pacific it's, game and I'm talking about the Possible not to do yeah, that with yeah, covering yeah. three teams, so yeah. I had to ask. No. I've never heard you do it, but had to be done. No, it, it's happened <laughs> for sure. It, it's happened this year. It's yeah. happened this year. But again, grateful for for those teams, and then I'm always just grateful for the families of the athletes because I'm I live in their living rooms. I live in their homes. I live amongst. Their family communities, you know, yeah, parts of their in. day, they tune in. And oftentimes I don't get to really meet them until like senior night, senior weekend. You got parents and family members that are coming from all over the country, obviously, to be there for the student athletes last game of their career. And they always make it a point to come and introduce themselves to me and just, you know, tell me about their experience listening to the broadcast, right, which right. usually is, is always a good, a good one. one. But it's like. 
you don't really realize and recognize the impact that you're having on like the students at the student athletes like personal community right. until around senior weekend when families start trickling in more and folks start visiting. There's less games to be able to attend. So when that happens, usually more people start to travel in because yeah. they don't want to not go to a game the whole season. Mm-hmm. It's after the holidays, all of those things. So um, it's always a pleasure to be able to speak with so many people that actually tune into the broadcast, whether it be the stream at Pacific or, uh, you know, ESPN Plus at Portland State. So, again, grateful for, to those schools. And we got some pretty dope stuff on the horizon next season for football, actually, Pacific football in particular. And I don't know if I'm supposed to say it, so I won't right now in the moment. But let's just say we'll be on TV next season. I'll let the, the deal nice. get officially announced uh, by the university, but I can tell you that Pacific football will be having uh, local TV games next season, so it'll be a super dope experience to be able to go from the live stream to where anybody in Portland can tune in and hear me slash watch me on the call at at Pacific. So I'm excited about that in regards to football. Um, A quick win share for me, I will be at Lulu Bar tonight, St. Patrick's Night, um, I'm actually will be there every Friday from here on out. Um, a new spot that I'll be DJing at. I'll obviously be announcing a lot more DJ gigs for y'all now that I won't have any games. So it's kind of transitioning back into full-fledged DJ season for me. So this weekend I just have the Lulu gig, and then the next three weekends uh, I'm booked Friday and Saturday of each weekend, and I'll tell you all about it in the weeks leading up to it. Um, you got any win shares? No, I'm good. We rocking. You good? A lot of travel. A lot of travel. Yeah? Yeah, I'll be in and out. So, for sure. Special guest in here. Well, well, I mean, I guess the only right way to start this podcast is to talk about how my bracket and your bracket is already busted. Oh, my goodness. Busted and disgusted. (laughs) It is busted. (laughs) I mean, obviously, we know how March Madness is. That's what makes the bracket challenges so fun and being able to fill out brackets because it's it's madness. Indeed, every single year. And uh, this year, we've already got some madness. We've got some crazy upsets. We got a team that I had going to the final four done eliminated in the round of 64 done incredible arizona how do you lose to princeton done it happens every year like you said it. i mean <laughs> cold upsets where cold upsets somebody just come out flat or as we saw a bonehead play at the end of a game where somebody just literally gives the game away per yeah. se um i'm always one of the people that never like to blame one person but it's like those kind of moments you get taught early on and you practice those moments to not panic and yeah. you don't trap yourself in the corner and I, it just it all went wrong. So what it, game was that? That was uh the fir- that was the Furman versus Virginia game. Yeah, so yeah. it just be which, crazy to see stuff like that. Which actually I we're in obviously you and I are, are in a bracket challenge with our family. Um and I actually we I was we were able to do two brackets in that group. Right. And I actually in one of those brackets Picked that upset to happen. How? Um, Fernham versus Virginia. Furman, excuse me, versus Virginia. I actually picked that one in one of the brackets, but obviously I wasn't doing that in both brackets. Yeah. Um, but it did end up happening. Um, but, yeah, so that was obviously a crazy one. But, again, Arizona, how do you lose to Carlton Banks in them? <laughs> 
like, like I didn't even watch the game, so I'm not even going to sit here and act like I have all the the answers to what indeed happened. But I will say this, because, again, I was on Rip City Radio this morning with my guy Justin Myers on 620 on his morning show talking about March Madness in in Arizona. He asked me my final four teams, and at the time, (laughs) they were – You thought Yeah, I I thought it was Arizona, Purdue, um, and I got on the other side of the bracket, Texas and UConn. Those were the teams that I picked to make it to the final four. I uh, still have you uh, Purdue is who I think is going to win it all, and that's who I who I'm really? picking to win the Natty this year. But I'm like, yeah, Arizona's going to get through that bracket, that side of the bracket. They'll probably meet up with Alabama, who many teams have winning it this year, and I think Arizona's going to even beat Alabama. But they couldn't beat Bel Air Prep. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> they, couldn't that's beat crazy. Carl- they couldn't beat Carlton Banks Bel-Air and Mr. Academy, Prince. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. They couldn't but it happens. It's going to be plenty more where that came from by the end of the day, damn near, huh? And and I, I'll be honest with you. Like, for me, I actually, I appreciate it. Um I'm talking mess, and I'm obviously joking around with the Carlton Banks jokes. Although he's a Princeton grad, for, mm-hmm. for crying out loud, <laughs> we, we 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 speak about the nexus of sports, politics, and culture around here. I had to weave it in. But with that being said, as somebody that calls mid-major Division One basketball, I do enjoy being able to see the somewhat parity and be able to see these teams that have these like more local and like organic cultural communities and what i mean by that is is like schools like princeton schools like maybe like affirming like it's so it's more of an intimate experience and I've, right. i'm somebody that went to a small university so i understand like my experience going there like my network may have been bigger had i gone to a, a huge school right. a, a huge university but at the same time the the relational dynamic and the intimate connection is a little different because there I would be in, in lecture lecture rooms with a hundred people, where at my school I'm in classrooms with ten. So you mm-hmm. get to know everybody on a different kind of a level, things of that sort, and so you really know and understand how much they care about their community and where it is that they go to school, the university that they attend, right. because it's a smaller one, it's a more niche one, but the intimacy as far as, as far as relationships are concerned are just flat out different. So from that standpoint, I love to see it. But also from the standpoint of, you know, it 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 reminds me that, you know, obviously I'm grateful to be calling Division One games in general because, I mean, here in this market, there's four Division One jobs. Right. There's Oregon State, there's University of Oregon, there's University of Portland, and there's Portland State. Right. So for me to be one of the people, knowing how big how big high school sports is, and just knowing how many people in this state love to call and commentate games, for me to be able to have one of those four positions, I don't take it for granted. Please don't. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you can look down the way and realize, oh, yeah, but there's still – these bigger universities, more established universities, especially when it comes to sports programs in particular, that that we're sort of looking up at until the tournament comes around and you realize, oh, a lot of us looking up at these big universities align more with hype than it does 
actually being able to be a giant slayer and a giant killer. And we are farther ahead as mid-majors than we sometimes give ourselves credit for because of the brand that it is we represent. But when you get inside those lines, man, like... Anybody can get it. Yeah, for real. And that's what I mean. Anybody could come out flat as yeah. a team on any given day. So it's uh, it's interesting to see that this is every year. It's what makes March every Madness year. what it is. It's for madness. Sure. It's madness. It's absolute <laughs> madness. And then it's like, I, I'm one of those people that think the parody is just, you know, with with everything going on from all the alternative ways that athletes take to go pro coming out of high school where – you usually had to kind of funnel them through college. Now you can get them internships. You can send them to the G League. They can go overseas. They can go to college. They could just do whatever they want, essentially, for right. that year. And then you look at the transfer pro- the transfer portal and the- how quick it is to be eligible, how much quicker it is to be eligible going to another university. And then you top that with COVID and student-athletes being able to get extra years. It's like – the parity at the college basketball level, in my opinion, is at an all-time high. Facts. It's at an all-time high. Like Facts. you don't really have, you don't really have like collegiate dynasties anymore. Like you know what I'm saying? It's, nah. It's no longer like the Dukes in the North Carolina. Like you don't know. You really just don't know who's going to be there at the end of these tournaments now right. because you're seeing stuff like we've seen today with Princeton being able to beat Arizona. So. It's it's the beauty of the tournament. It's the madness, obviously, it's of the, the tournament madness. as well. And uh, my bracket is already shattered. How about yours? Ninety-eight <laughs> percent of the world, I'm sure. Yeah, it is. maybe more. Yeah, we're cooked. Cooked. We're cooked. But I, again, I'm excited to be able to see more games. I actually got the day off of work tomorrow, so I'm glad to be able to kind of kick all it during day. the day all day. I'm just tuned into the games, watching hoops, seeing what's going down. Um, so I'm I'm definitely excited about that. I want to switch um, subjects, though, and we'll obviously be talking about March Madness for the coming weeks until we have a team crowned national champion. But I do want to um, switch gears here because I was sort of triggered this week. And, Uh yeah, I was triggered. I was triggered a little bit. I was triggered. I mean, I think in the grand scheme, it was a great lesson that was taught out of me being triggered by this particular, I saw it on Twitter at least, um, but by this particular tweet. But I was I was triggered because of something that this podcast represents, something that we don't not even just discuss, but something that we identify as. And it became a huge topic of conversation based on this clip. So I am going to have Zeb, Play a clip for us here. It's a conversation. Um, the the broadcaster's name is Brianna Joy Gray, and the the guest is an author by the name of Bethany Mandel. And they were doing an interview uh, on a show that's called The Rising. Right. And basically, I'm gonna just let y'all hear the clip. Play it, Zeb. Let's hear it. And Americans consider themselves very liberal. And probably fewer of them consider themselves to be woke. And so, you know, when, when well, we talk about traditional... What does that mean to you? Right? Could, could, would you mind defining woke? Because it's come up a couple times, and I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So, I mean, woke is sort of the idea that... Um, I, 
This is going to be one of those moments that goes viral. I mean, woke is something that's very hard to define, and we've spent an entire chapter defining it. It is sort of the understanding that we need to totally reimagine and redo society in order to create hierarchies of oppression. Um, Sorry, I... It's it's hard to explain in a fifteen second soundbite. Yeah, look, your it, time. <laughs> damn, 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 damn. Yeah, she boofed. Absolutely, and 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 obviously, again, her name's Bethany Mandel, and she wrote a new book. I forget the name of the book, nor do I care after that conversation. Um, but she wrote a new book where she was basically like being critical of people being woke or like the woke mob or what it means to be woke. Um, which, in my opinion, is just a term that has gotten absolutely hijacked. And then I had to, like, look at myself and really think back to the inception of this podcast. It's called the Wake Up and Win podcast. Every episode I tell you at the end of the episode, stay woke and go win. And she isn't the first person, not even just in general. I, I can even specify, like, within the black community, somebody who I'm a huge fan of, Charlemagne the God, he sort of has um, been critical of the word woke. Obviously, she she thought she was being critical of the word woke, but she didn't even know what woke meant. Um, but I think it's become easy for woke to become it's, – it's basically become a buzzword. It's become a buzzword for people essentially, like – trying to be perfectionist in society and not la- allowing for people to have rooms room for mistakes, not allow people to have room to grow essentially. And that wasn't what the word was rooted in. The word was rooted in African-American vernacular English, AKA slang. And <laughs> it was a word for black people that we used amongst each other about for, for one, knowing where we came from, knowing who it, who it is that we are. And sometimes the ways that we get treated because of who we are right. and still being able to stand on our identity of being black people, our experiences and our relationships with each other to be able to go up against some of what society does to us in oppressive ways. Yeah, and in, in, in a more simplistic terms, kind of knowing the history that we don't get taught in school. Right. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Or so woke. It's for like sure. For sure. What's up? Right. Know? Right. Absolutely. And and so the words absolutely gotten hijacked. It's gotten gentrified. It's now become a word basically used for an entire political side, if you will. Um, you know, for obviously in, in, in this case, she was criticizing like woke liberals. And it's like, for one, all black people, we're not a monolith. So all black people ain't liberal and all black people ain't conservative. And some black people are right in between because we are not all the same. But there's terminology that we can use amongst each other and amongst our own experiences because for one, our experiences aren't monolithic. We There's different angles and different ways that we've been treated and, and different experiences that we've been able to have due to access or lack thereof, whatever social status it is that we're able to reach. Right. And so you have conversations amongst us where if I know about your, your black plight and you know about my black plight, there's probably some kind of common ground right. that we can ultimately meet at. And that's where you kind of become woke, in yeah, my opinion. Definitely. And that's the way that I've seen it. And even, again, bringing it back to this very podcast, I tell y'all to stay woke and go in every podcast. I created this podcast, and I titled it Wake Up and Win. Obviously, 
We speak about topics that are at the nexus of sports, politics, and culture, and there is a little bit of like symmetry there between wokeness and covering politics <laughs> sure. from a sports standpoint. Obviously, if you want to take it to the direct sport, uh, sports symmetry, the symmetrical word in the title that goes along with sports itself, that would be the win portion of the title because Definitely. winning is basically the objective goal when you are competing in a sport. And so I also was aware that I was entering in a space where people like me don't get represented greatly. It was something I was fortunate enough to be able to learn not only through experience, but through education, through higher education in particular, by taking politics and sports classes, by taking politics in the media classes. I was able to understand demographics. I was able to understand things such as framing far before I even went into the field and have gotten to actually experience that myself, which I totally have. So when I created the podcast, it was rooted in my black identity and this word woke, meaning that I still want to identify with who I am, what I represent and what I ultimately identify as, as I enter into this media space and have this platform called Wake Up and Win. And since then, it feels like the word woke has taken on so many other things that are so far away from the word woke that I knew <laughs> that I was introduced to and really around that time was introduced to us because Woke ain't been around, but since maybe 2016, 2015, this podcast was created in 2017. I already had the name of it in 2016, so I was directly correlating with its original meaning as an African-American man and understanding what it meant in African-American vernacular English. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm that's saying? Crazy. But it's like now... Like how you broke down the whole name, too. For Very sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was how this podcast was created. So when I said that I was triggered, I was triggered because I've been directly and indirectly challenged about just the word woke, and I have such a close connection to it. Obviously, having this podcast called Wake Up and Win and telling you at the end of every podcast to stay woke and go in that... The word kind of got gentrified and hijacked to where I even start questioning, well, do I still want to be attached to the word woke because of the definition that it's starting to take on from society rather than the the, root definition? Look how they look (laughs) for the lack of. You feel me? You using it how you use it and it works. For sure. But but there's no doubt that I've that I've questioned it just because it's that real of a thing. You can just it's that real of a thing. And pop popular culture, general society has has hijacked again and almost in some ways gentrified the word so much that I almost thought their meaning of woke was the truth. Mm. Although I can directly relate to it. It's like, damn, they took it. You know what I'm saying? And whatever they make it, they took it. Damn it. (laughs) And so they took the power out of that word when it comes to the power that I thought it had as I created this podcast. And then they took the power out of me and my connection to that word because I almost started to believe that what they said woke was was the truth. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I'm actually like super glad that this moment took place because this isn't even a conversation that I've had on here with you all but there has been times where I thought about like 
do I want to change the name of the podcast? Do I want to, you know what I mean? Do I, do I really feel what it means to be woke anymore? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I tell people all the time, and now this I have said on this podcast, the work I do will have you questioning a lot of things. Activism type work is not easy work. It's not light work. And, and I am somebody who understands what it means to like be on the front lines while doing this work. So I give anybody grace that even is willing to make the attempt. And I'm talking about more than just from behind the keyboard. I'm talking about a real attempt to be out in your community and, and make a difference on the front lines, whether it be, uh, whether it becomes a profession for you, whether you volunteer to do it, um, regardless of whatever the case may be, because it's not easy work. And I'm, I'm totally aware of that, but I felt like I was allowing the power to be taken out of the word and its root meaning as far as our slang is concerned and allowing sort of the mainstream to attach a new definition to it and almost was going along with the mainstream. Because again, as you mentioned, D-Boy, it's a numbers game. So when you see so many people viewing a definition as one way or perceiving the word to mean a particular thing and you realize all it is is a perception. It's not the reality, <laughs> nor is it the origin of right. what this word has meant. It, it can happen that easy, and you can be swayed. And again, like I said, it's people I look up to that criticize the word. So mm -hmm. I'm like, damn. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I'm starting to think twice about... Run it. Run it. It's ran. It's, it's ran. ran. And in this moment, <laughs> again, it triggered me for, for two reasons. One, I'm glad that it happened because now... Here we are rocking and rolling and, and being able to be reattached with what the quote or what the word actually means in our slang. And two, now you look crazy if you try to attach a new definition to it. And she proved just why right there. So shout out to us, man. The Wake Up and Win podcast. Stay woke, go win, baby. Podcast ain't over yet. What, but, we, doing uh, when, uh, what we doing next? <laughs> we doing Ja? We doing the Raiders? Um, I want to do Ja. Let's do Ja. Again, I've been gone for a couple weeks. So me having been gone for a couple weeks basically means I ain't touched the John Morant story. Um, a lot of people obviously have been talking about it. A lot of people have reached out to me about it. I didn't want to be one of the people that tells my stance on this entire situation on social media. Um, it's just not really what I do. I got a platform to do that on, and that's just what I'm going to do with my platform. So here we are. Um but what I will say is this. For one, we all know it wasn't the bright, it wasn't the smartest move to make for him to go on Instagram live with a hammer. Now, part of me. Hammer is a gun, folks. Hammer's a gun. <laughs> if you don't know, now you know. Bang, bang, just like a hammer does. Um <laughs> now, now a part of me obviously is like not a smart move. And a part of me also had to like be real with myself and look myself in the mirror and understand like the mistakes that I was making that just maybe I didn't get caught, but the risk that I was taking, the chances that I was taking with myself um, that could have ultimately led to me not being in the seat that I currently sit in today when I was that age or at least near and around that age. And so that part of me, you know, empathize with John Moran a little bit in terms of me wanting to see a redemption story, in terms of me wanting to see him come back, have success, learn from this, grow from this, mature from this, all the things. But then there's another part of me that understood that there were certain chances that I was taking because I felt, the key word here is felt, 
I felt that I had to take them. Mm-hmm. Whether that meant I really had to take them or not is one thing. You felt like, but I at least know that <laughs> when I was eat. taking certain chances, penitentiary chances, if you will, I felt that I had to take those chances. In Josh's position and in his current situation, I don't see what would make him feel he needed to take the chance that he took by flashing a gun on Instagram Live and on social media. That's where the disconnect was for me with John Morant. So, again, I can connect with doing some risky shit and obviously, quite frankly, doing some dumb bonehead shit because I've been there before. But majority of the time when I was doing things like that, I felt the need to have to do it, whether it was for my own safety, whether it was for my own protection, whether it felt like my stomach was touching my back and I was hungry and starving and I needed to take a chance to not be hungry and starving no more, whatever the case may have been. But where he is right now and the point that he's at in his career, I don't want to say his life, but in his career in particular right now, I still don't quite understand what made him feel the need to have to take the chance that he took. Obviously, it's an eight-game suspension now. He's come out and he's done an interview with Jalen Rose, which, I mean, was totally – he was very PC about it, which at this point you don't really have the leeway to not be so PC about your approach and having a conversation. He admitted he was wrong. He he took accountability. And, hey, I want to see him get another chance, and he's probably going to be back playing basketball again this season because he only got an eight-game suspension. My God, is there a difference between Adam uh, Silver and David Stern? That was going to be my next question. What do you feel about the suspension, honestly? What does it say um, about the action, and what do you think about it? Um... I got mixed feelings about it. Do I think it was probably on the lighter end? Yes. Very like, much so. It was definitely on the lighter end. Like eight games for, for that um, is on the lighter end. But on the other end of the game, when you think about all the ways that society, more in particular, higher society, people with a lot of money that are – we talk about Ja with all these contracts, for example. He's got Nike contracts. He's got Gatorade contracts. He's got this. He's got that. And we understand how much they benefit, especially from a monetary standpoint from our culture. Obviously, you being a, an artist, you understand it from more music side of thing. We hear about like we hear the conversations all the time about musicians and artists who basically is getting their culture hijacked. And now we're seeing these young dudes out in the streets dissing each other and going super duper viral. But they're actually out here killing each other and knocking each other down, too. But the person is actually getting paid up from it is somebody that's nowhere near the activities, somebody that's in a, in a corner office somewhere. Right. Um. That side of it makes me feel like, huh, you can't be too surprised that a league like the NBA that is in partnerships partnerships with the Gatorades, the Powerades, the Nikes, and all of these different things, they felt like he had enough value to not throw the book at him, <laughs> essentially. And again, I don't think I don't think that they should have, nor am I wishing that he would have gotten the book thrown at him. But I think had he been somebody else, he would have gotten a much harder, harsher penalty for it. But because he has some value for these people up top, they're like, well, we'll just I think the get fact him for that eight it was games. More so, I mean, I do think it was on the lighter end. I would agree with you there. But I think the fact that nobody was hurt and no charges were pressed, 
had a lot to do with it. Yeah, and there was investigations that took place as well. So I do think that that's the case too. Right. Um, and again, we're also in a different time period. I want to acknowledge that as well. Adam Silver, to me, seems to be a little bit more like culturally competent than maybe somebody like a David Stern, Stern once was. For sure. So I'll give him that benefit of the doubt as well. But but even like going back to what you're saying, the fact that nobody was hurt, um, no charges were pressed, like still you are representing the NBA and you are representing a league and it's not, this isn't a standalone incident. <laughs> you have had many of you, you, you got other incidents that are making the news that alludes to you allegedly having firearms involved in these situations yeah, too many times. So that, that where for me, it's like, it's hard for me to say that, if he was somebody else and he didn't have any other priors, if you will, and I'm, that, that sounds like – that's not the word I want to use for John Morant, but you just stay with me here. If he didn't have so many other incidents prior to that incident that involved guns, allegedly – I want to make sure to use the word allegedly – then I would expect him to definitely, once he went on Instagram live with a gun, to get a pretty harsh consequence. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like really. that I that agree. would be my expectation. Again, if it was just a one off and he just was lit drunk one night and he just went out there and did it but didn't have all the other stuff attached to his name when it comes to guns, then I could see a 8 to 10 game suspension. But once you attach the guns to every other incident that he's been in prior to the one where he was actually on Instagram live with a gun, I would think that the book would have kind of gotten thrown at him and he probably wouldn't return this season. Based on speculation, do you because we're hearing about therapy and all of this different kind of stuff, do you think, because all we can do is think it's a case of more so not be just a young guy not being able to handle everything that's thrown at him as far as the fame and the fortune now? Or do you think it's more so just culturally it's is it's regular for regular people to be on Instagram live holding hammers as we talked about earlier. Yeah. Like, what do you think this is more so of? And like I said, it's only speculation, but do you think it's influence or do you think it's really some issues deeper there that might take longer than eight games or a few weeks away from the team? Well, here's what I think. I think um, everybody doesn't come into the success that John Morant has been able to come in to as a leader and John Morant just hasn't shown to me. He's obviously shown me he's got great talent, right? He's obviously shown, shown me he got a lot of heart. He's, he's a super athlete. He ain't scary. Like, I, like even his game is violent enough to me right. for, for me to be like, <laughs> he ain't no scary mean. dude. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But I also think him and that organization's problem at large has just been a lack of leadership. And I think for the organization, even going beyond John Morant, and I know people within the organization and have been able to have conversations prior to even this incident. And I think the general kind of consensus is this is a young team. We all know that. But you would, as far as from a basketball standpoint more so, but it bleeds out into other things. From a basketball standpoint, you would rather them be a little bit overboard and have to bump their head a time or two 
and maybe scale it back a little bit mm-hmm. than them not to have enough dog in them and have to teach them something that just might it's not be. still at this point. You know what I'm saying? Fixable. Like, this just might not be who they are. They so. just might be soft. They just might be weak. They just might not be tough. And sometimes that happens, and that's harder to instill and to teach than it is sometimes to be able to scale it back like, all right, they're a little bit too out there. Now, how do we reel them in where we have the perfect mix of them being able to keep that dog in them and that bark in them and that sort of, you know what I mean, grit to them, but also be able to have the balance and understand when that grit isn't necessary to to have on display, i.e., at the strip club, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, not putting a gun up on Instagram Live. And so I think the the Grizzlies organization at large is trying to figure out how to kind of scale that back, and they don't have a leader because their best player is a part of the problem, quite frankly. So you frankly, that ultimately problem. more to the fame and the fortune and lack of leadership than like a mental health issues, uh, well, well, uh, well, a super I, big infatuation with gun type of thing. I think Just it all ties in. I think it all ties in. Like I think part of not being a leader could have something to do with his mental health. You know what I'm saying? Like part of him – you know, expressing himself in the ways that we've been hearing about him express, expressing and himself seeing and most seeing recently. most recently, you know what I mean? Like the way that he's been expressing himself, I think, think could be directly tied to mental health. What in particular? I mean, he said he's doing some anxiety breathing. I don't know if it's anxiety. I don't know if it's trauma. I don't know what that is. Yeah. I can't pinpoint again, that. I'm, I'm asking speculation. For sure. Because we often hear it when people make mistakes in uh, on that kind of level, we often hear, oh, his team told him to say this or his team told him to apologize. Yeah. So that's what I'm wondering. Is it one of those things where it's like he's just saying the right things or do you think it's really some extensive help that's needed on those terms? Like, is this a quick fix? How you said, is it really just a, oh, you bumped your head, let's fix this yeah, in yeah, eight yeah, games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do you think it's an extensive amount of work that needs it, to be done? It feels like an extensive amount of work to be done because this shit continues to happen over and over and over in one form or another, which gotcha. to me, again, also makes me not speculate. But again, as somebody who wants to give John Morant grace, to me, I wonder if that's too soon for him to come back and if that's not giving him grace and that's actually worse off for him to come back in eight games mm-hmm. and make a mistake in the way that he did rather than put in the work and and sort of getting rid of whatever it is, the, the, the baggage that he's been sort of carrying has gotten him into the position he's in right now. So it's, it's kind of a, a, a tricky one because – while I know he loves to play basketball and I know he wants to play basketball and as a, a competitor and as an athlete myself, right. we know what it's like for a sport to be an escape from mm-hmm. some real shit that we have going on. There's also a healthy balance of like if he does have some real shit going on, is eight games too short of a time to make him return? Because now he's getting ready to be here. It's about to be the playoffs. It's about to be it's more about, pressure. The fans, it's going to be more pressure. The fans are going to talk crazy about the shit. You. They're going to heckle you. Oh, all of that. Yeah. And, and do you want to see him snap again publicly? <laughs> Obviously, the last time it was on social media. Yeah. This time it could be on a basketball court. Somebody else who I... Was saying a lot of this same stuff about was Ben Simmons when everybody was wanting Ben Simmons to come back early. And one and one thing that I said about Ben Simmons when he went to the Nets, I said, 
if he does not play a regular season game against the the Philadelphia 76ers, where he allegedly claims he dealt with all of these mental health issues, if he doesn't have the capacity to play in that game in the regular season, I don't want to see him in the playoffs Mm -mm. because mentally he ain't there. And quite frankly, nothing has showed me that he still has even gotten there yet. And this is now years later. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I don't want this to be at Ja's detriment that he is only getting a slap on the wrist and that he is coming back too quick. And knowing what part of the year we're getting ready to be, get into, and like you said, the heckling and what he's about to have to do in front of hundreds of thousands of people that are going to be on his ass, is he mentally prepared to handle that? I think he'll come I don't back know. strong. I think he'll be all right. I think it's enough. I believe um, I believe in I him enough, enough to enough agree with around you. Or, you know, I think this was a big enough fall. The other stuff was all more allegedly. The yeah. kid in the backyard, allegedly. Um, the Pacers situation with the gun and beam, allegedly. Yeah. I, I believe him. Him doing yeah. the shooter thing. We've been seeing that for years when somebody sure. make a three and you. For sure. But they make all of this a thing where it looks like almost an infatuation yeah. with guns. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. This was the first one we really seen, and I think he learned enough from that. I agree. Where, you know. I believe in him. So, yeah. like, if you ask me, do I believe in him, in him? Yes, I believe him in him. Excuse me. But I am still a little skeptical about an eight-game return and the time frame, and I don't want to see him be put in a position that he can't handle if these mental issues are really as deep and as serious as they as seem they to be. Yeah, <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? For sure. So so that's my thing there. Um, all the right, we'll talk about the Raiders. <laughs> the Raiders? We signed Jimmy G. We got rid of Darren Waller. What else do you need to know, people? <laughs> Man, what are we doing? What are we doing? And, and here's the thing. Obviously, you know, I've been one – For a long time. And the reason I say for a long time, because although, you know, currently a big a big topic in NFL news is Lamar Jackson situation and his non-exclusive franchise tag with the Ravens. Quite frankly, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have been in a contract dispute for about two years now. So for a long time that we've known Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to be in this contract dispute for me, I was always like, Raiders go get them for two years now. Yeah, <laughs> you know I, agree. I, mean? I agree. Raiders go get them. Go get him. Reel him in. Bring him here. We knew two years ago that this day that has now come where Derek Carr would no longer be a Las Vegas Raider. We knew that day was coming in the near future two years ago. We knew it was coming two years ago in the near future. We just wasn't quite there yet. But during this time period, you've had Lamar this entire time in contract disputes with the Ravens, and there's nothing that I've wanted more than to see Lamar Jackson in silver and black. Then, obviously, the conversation shifted to Aaron Rodgers, and that didn't happen. And who we ended up with was Jimmy G. Is is it a, a disconnect um, with picking like a former – San Francisco, like we know the Bay, the battle. We know what all yeah. the talk. Like, is it a form of disconnect? I would feel like ultimately, I get it as business, but if I was running the show and calling the shots for the Raiders, I would almost feel like Jimmy G was off limits. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was very <laughs> left field. To yeah. Me. Do you for agree sure. with that? No, I, I I feel that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I feel that there's a as a fan, I feel that there's a disconnect for me and the current decision makers of the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders big and 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 the moves that they're making right now. Yeah. Now, granted, if Jimmy G comes in and takes us to the Super Bowl, all hell, Jimmy G. I ain't ashamed to say it, but I'm also not ashamed to say that I'd rather have Lamar Jackson because it ain't that crazy to say, or I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers. Because it ain't that crazy to say, and none of y'all are going to make me feel like it's that crazy to say, even if Jimmy G ends up becoming a Super Bowl champion with the Las Vegas Raiders. I'll eat the words if I got to, but it ain't that crazy for me to say right now in this moment that I would much rather have Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers as quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Is Jimmy G better than Derek Carr? Who cares? <laughs> I don't want either of them. I think they're like I, I do think, too, and we just I don't got think they got better at all. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. I think they're comparable as well, and I think the fact that they're comparable is the reason why I don't understand why we did it. If we just got rid of Carr, why did we go get another I, I another Carr? To be honest, that's that's giving Jimmy G credit. I truly think Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Jimmy G. I really do. I, I agree. Okay. Okay. I agree. I think he's a more talented quarterback than Jimmy G. I don't think the quarterback position is all about talent, though. I think, I think he's Jimmy had a lot of more tools around him where you like. I think short Jimmy games G. Yeah, and- I think Jimmy G might be a little bit more headstrong than Derek Carr, but I do think Derek Carr, as a talent, is more talented than Jimmy G. But Derek Carr used to get in his own head a lot, and he used to let us, the fans, get in his head a lot, and then he would boof and just do some goofy shit. Goofy. Where I think Jimmy G is a little poised. bit more poised. poised. You know what I mean? That's the word. He, he he came up under Belichick and Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? He knows what it's like to play in that type of, you know, culture and that type of environment with like the ultimate champions of the NFL. Then he went to the Niners, which is obviously a solid organization. Still, he just wasn't good enough to Mm. take them over the top. The Niners should have a Super Bowl by now in the last five, 10 years. Like they like their last Super Bowl shouldn't be. In the 90s, for crying out loud, because they've had plenty of chances, including this year, to go and win a Super Bowl since the last time they've actually won one. And they haven't been able to get it done. And uh, Jimmy G obviously was a part of that journey of them not being able to get that done. So why would I want him where I am? (laughs) I read a tweet from the great Devontae Adams, who alluded to being happy and excited that Jimmy G was coming do you think some of what I just talked about feeling as a fan, do you think that seeps into the locker room with the players, or do you think it is a truly excited sense of fresh startness in the locker room? Well, for one, I mean, I, I wouldn't credit it to the fresh start because also Devontae Adams was great friends with Derek Carr. Right. They went to Fresno State together. Derek Carr was probably the number one reason the Raiders ended up getting Devontae Adams. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, Jimmy G is obviously being treated like an underdog right now from a perception standpoint, including right here on this very podcast. Clearly, you hear the way that we're discussing (laughs) Jimmy Garoppolo right now. But, But with that said, Devontae Adams... Went to Fresno State, like I just said, with Derek Carr. He's got somewhat of an underdog underdog story to him as well, and now he's the best receiver in the NFL. 
I can see Devontae Adams being able to relate with wanting to see Jimmy G do great because he has an underdog story coming from a college like Fresno State. Now, the one I'm worried about and who seems to be tweeting as I've if seen some is Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. JJ don't seem happy about and, and it. And guess where Josh Jacobs went to college? Alabama, yeah. where they got a little bit he's more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Alabama, where you, we win championships and we do whatever it is that we got to do to go out and win championships. I don't care about being an underdog. I don't know what it's like to be an underdog. That's why I'm frustrated with what's going on right now with this organization because I come from a Nick Saban program where I'm used to championships. Or, or something close to it. <laughs> and yeah, we far from that right now. Yeah, we lost So that's my stance on those two. <laughs> well, that, was, that was good. Good take. I pretty much agree with everything you said from yeah. the Josh situation to the Raiders. Um, For sure. I think we don't go to the playoffs again. Yeah, I don't, I don't, see, it. I don't see it how we do. <laughs> I don't see it. Mm, and mm, I still mm. think we had a, we got a lot to fix up on defense. We just got a lot to fix. And I don't know if Jimmy G was that step in that direction. Um, and again, Lamar Jackson, man, I I, I just want to see him get paid at this point. And, and I said this around when we had the black on black Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. we had Jalen Hurts and we had Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, the black community wanted to see Jalen Hurts win that Super Bowl. Like mm-hmm. it, most people wanted Philly to win that, but we still got Patrick Mahomes, the other black quarterback on the other end, who to me is now revolutionizing the sport. He's in the act of revolutionizing the sport Steph of football. Curry of football. He's a Steph Curry of football. But but what I meant ultimately the way Steph Curry utilized the three point shot to you to revolutionize basketball, to me, Patrick Mahomes is using the ability to be a dual threat quarterback and obviously win multiple championships now and revolutionizing the sport of football in that particular way. Because the last person that had a chance to do it but didn't hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch was Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And the example I used is, right now today, if you if you look at an all-time quarterbacks list, you're probably going to put Aaron Rodgers ahead of Russell Wilson. But had, yes. but had Russell Wilson won that second Super Bowl, I think it would be otherwise. Mm-hmm. But because he didn't, and he was only three, four, five yards away from being able to do it, mm-hmm. right now, you look how quick you was willing to say yes. But if we were able to say, well, Russell Wilson got two Super Bowls to Aaron Rodgers won, the conversation will look a little different. To me, Mahomes is one of the first dual-threat quarterbacks to win multiple championships in the NFL. Mm-hmm. In the same way— It's almost we like didn't the tradition see, of just a drop-back passer is no longer. It's no longer because, because of him. College, <laughs> you know what I mean? The dual-threat. And, and that's where I think we need Patrick Mahomes to continue to do that so that guys like Lamar Jackson won't go through historically what dual-threat quarterbacks have had to go through in the NFL yeah. because you're not expected to win and with them. And he's still elite. Injuries Absolutely. and all, he, he will be Absolutely. great. Right? He's going to play somewhere, and he's going to be great. For sure. For sure. I agree with you wholeheartedly. He'll be with the Raiders, though. Do oh, we still got a chance? Man. Like, can we even trade off? Like, is this what we got? Not with, or not still- with uh, Josh McDaniels and uh, Lil Davis up there in ownership. Like, nope. this the end-all, be-all. There's no <laughs> chance that we can. I don't know. I don't know. I, that I don't know. I'm okay. not going to even sit here and act like I know. Man. I just know what we've done, and I know that. Like, Ooh. we paid Jimmy G kind of handsomely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I really don't know, and I really don't have the answer to that. But from what I'm seeing, then we get rid of Darren Waller for a third-round pick. It's like, 
I already don't expect Jimmy G to be throwing it down the street like that. So we probably need a top five caliber tied in for Jimmy G to be able to get some shit off. He had one in Kittle over there and, and with the mm-hmm. 49ers, and mm-hmm. Kittle it made him look a little better than Even maybe what he was. Samuel is short. He was short. You know what I mean? It's short. like he had players Yards that could hide players. his weaknesses up until it just got to the point where you couldn't any longer because you were just playing against – Teams that also is making it to the Super Bowl right, or the right. conference championship game, so on and so forth. So that's my stance on we it all, see. man. We're going to see. We're going to see. Um, anything you want to push, promote? I know you got a new segment out on IG, man. You might as well yeah, tell man. them about it. This uh, You'll hear some of this on a new segment of Keeping It Real, man. I got a whole Instagram segment laid out. We did an interview with former MLB pitcher, Major League Baseball player Tyler Cravey. Um, I did some nature stuff, nature coverage in the gorge recently. And like I said, you'll hear some of the Wake Up and Win podcast and part of segments from this show that I would like to highlight even further on our social media. So keeping it real with D-Boy LTD, that is out and it's a thing now. And um, in addition to that, I'm taking off to Atlanta. By the time you hear this, I will be on a plane to Atlanta. So we got some special stuff coming soon from that too. So stay tuned. There we go. There we go. On that note, we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke. Stay woke. (laughs) Stay woke. Emphasis on woke, clearly. And go win, baby. Thank you. Go win.